0: Welcome to another episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, the Cali Chief is joined by Ryan Tracy and former Chiefs wide receiver J.J. Burden as they discuss the next matchup against the Chicago Bears and hopes for the playoffs moving forward. But first, Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo gives his thoughts on the signing of Terrell Suggs
2: this week. Listen, good to be here. I don't have a lot to say. I'm just going to open it up, um, fire it up to play another game go to Chicago, so with that, I'll open up.
1: what's reasonable to expect from subs, not just Sunday, but beyond as well? Yeah, good question,
2: Adam. We're we're trying to figure that out too, but I will tell you this. um, I mean, I think you're all aware that I had the pleasure of working with uh, in Baltimore for two years, and I can tell you this, he's he's as passionate about football as anybody ever been around. He's a consummate pro. I respect all of that about him. I got a great deal of respect for him. He's a great one. Um, This is a different environment. It's all new and different to him. He got he got in here late the other night And he came in here yesterday. I don't know how much sleep he had not very much But the most impressive thing and I think all our players got the eyeballs on it too. you come in the meeting He had a spiral notebook and he was taking notes. I mean that that's Terrell sucks. I mean he He's a pro. He wants to do well. He knows that knowing the defense is part of it Um, Going back to your question. What's to be expected? I think it's going to be kind of a gradual thing, but I think we'll just basically go off of how he feels, both physically and mentally. You talk
1: about his passion. How do you see that? What, what leads you
2: to say that? Uh, you know, I, I tell you what, it was just evident when uh, the first year I was there, I just kind of floated. You know, I was basically just close to John Harbaugh, and we bounced things off of each other. So I got to sit in a lot of different meetings, and I found myself gravitating to the outside linebacker meeting room where Terrell Suggs was because I found those meetings. Ted Bonacchino was the coach at the time, to be very engaging and quite, be perfectly honest, very uh, informative for me. And part of it was because of his interaction with talking football, and how much he wanted to know about what we were doing, what the other team was doing, not just what he was doing. I mean, he was. He wanted to know it all, and he was a sponge and absorbed it. And when he went out on the practice field, and it might be different here because this is all new. I mean, when I got there to Baltimore, he had been there 13, 12, 13 years, so he knew the system down pat and all the surroundings and you know all the Pro Bowls and the whole thing. So, but at practice, it was just a joy to watch him practice. He loved to practice, had fun doing it. Um, might take a little while for that to show up here, but. I think all of that can be really, really helpful for us.
0: In your conversations yeah. leading up to Terrell coming here, how much convincing did it have to take place?
2: Well, I didn't, I didn't really get involved with that. Um, you know, I left that to Andy and Brett. I mean, I, we were just hopeful that when, when it was a possibility that it would happen. And then I really didn't have any conversation with him until after. or um, well, somewhere in the... But it was, it was brief. Um, you know, there was a lot going on at the time.
1: You have a championship, obviously, as a
3: D coordinator. What does it mean for a player to come in and say, okay, i accomplished
2: the championship? What can that bring to a room? Yeah, uh, it, what you're saying is when they won it in Baltimore in 2012, yeah, I, you know, more than anything, I, I think what comes with that is as we get going here, we know where we're headed at least for the next three weeks, right? Um, my guess is that our players will lean on him from experience and how to handle it, which is tremendous. Um it's one thing coming from coaches to say, hey, here's what you've got to do when you get to this part of the season and how much faster the game gets, et cetera, et cetera. But it's an, a whole different story when a player conveys that to you, and I think he'll be able to do that. He played in a lot of playoff games and certainly the championship you're talking about. So playing about
0: 50 snaps a game in Arizona pretty heavy of and considering your rotation yeah you know would you envision maybe a little bit less and would he benefit from
2: maybe fewer snaps well I mean it'll be a little less at least initially and then we'll just see uh, how it trend. sometimes we I'm always careful now in all the years in this business with talking then all of a sudden you got an injury here injury there, everything changes you know so we'll see how it progresses and hopefully we can build it up enough where we can get him in for as many plays as we need him
1: have you gone back in recent days to watch any of his video from there? Just a little
2: bit of the last game that he played in, uh, but I didn't go too deep into it. i mean, look—I know him. I know what he's all about, um, and uh, I just think he's been a great addition.
1: Physically, does he look like the same guy? Yeah, mentioned?
2: I mean, it's, I didn't wa- again. I didn't watch a lot of plays, but in the plays that I saw, I didn't—I didn't see a big drop off, in my opinion. I mean, he still does. Wait, well, yeah, the guy is strong, physical, sets the edge of the defense. Uh, all that's still there.
1: Tyron is playing you know, probably as good as any defensive player in the
3: league right now. Behind the scenes, what are some of the things you're noticing that maybe is leading to what we
2: get to actually see on Sunday? Yeah. Um, now, look, I've said this before. I mean, I, I just think he's the glue. Uh, he's the leader. He's the guy that uh, can get in the huddle and practice and say, hey, we need to step it up. You need guys like that. And that that stuff I value uh, as a coordinator it makes my job a lot easier. And I think the rest of the guys um, certainly see that they're talking about a really good player that operates at a high level I'm talking about in preparation, meetings. You know, he's the first one out there all the time we go to walkthrough, go to practice. And uh, I think that goes a long way, the other guys.
0: For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable.
4: Is going on Chiefs Kingdom? How are we today? Welcome to this week's Red Friday Roundtable. I have a couple of special guests today. First, I'm going to be speaking to my good friend Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs and RGR Football. And we're going to talk football, we're going to talk new additions, we're going to talk where the Chiefs season's going defensively. And then after that, I get to talk to former Chiefs wide receiver J.J. Burden. And I am stoked because he was one of the key guys against Denver. Against multiple teams in certain games, and just the time I was playing football and watching it at the same time, so it was hyper intense at that moment in time. We have a new addition to the Chiefs roster. Uh, one Terrell T. Sizzle Suggs is coming over. Sadly, we've lost Alex Okafor for the season to that bane of our existence this year—the torn pectoral muscle—which also took out Emmanuel Ogba. But uh, yeah, we want to talk about Terrell Suggs because I think that's a great addition. That's perfect timing. Unfortunately, you know, we lose one, we gain one. But the addition of his playoff experience and knowledge, I think, could be great for this team. It's another leader in that room that's already just buzzing with leadership and potential and playoff slash Super Bowl opportunity right here in front of us. And you got to imagine that Terrell's got to be pretty hungry. But first off, let's start by saying hello to Ryan Tracy. How are you doing today, sir? I'm hanging in. I hope you're doing good. Yes, I am finally recovered from my acute bronchitis, which is what I was diagnosed with. Ooh. It was not a flu. It was not a long-lasting flu. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much out the back door on that one, feeling a lot better. Good for you. Very excited. I can still hear a little bit of it in my voice, but it's much better. Much better. I can breathe again. That's a plus. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, it was pretty disappointing losing Alex in a in a great game. I mean, the game was just so much fun to watch. Watch them snowball fight beforehand and sliding around in the field. It was just awesome. We lost Alex Okafor. Alex and Emmanuel Ogbaugh, both torn pecs. Both guys had played 10 games. A.O. had missed some time uh, off and on during the season. 32 and 22 tackles, respectively, with Emmanuel having more. Emmanuel had a half a sack more, but it was five and a half and five. Three pass defenses, one pass defense, and they both had forced a fumble. Uh, We get Terrell Suggs coming in here. He's played, uh, what is it, 13 games, 37 tackles, five and a half sacks, four force fumbles, and a fumble recovery. So it's actually a pretty nice slot for slot. We lose guys that have five sacks and change. We get a veteran back with the same kind of productivity. Yeah, And, I mean, I got to think he's hungry. I got to think he's, he's going from the Arizona Cardinals. The uniform stays roughly the same color, <laughs> but my record gets flipped almost upside down. Yeah. How's that got to feel?
3: You know, for for a guy like him, I mean, mean, there was a lot of talk about him not wanting to show up, right? So Mm -hmm. for a guy like him, that's like literally staring retirement or play with the Chiefs because the claim, right? There's no other option, right? Why wouldn't you be ecstatic? I mean, you can walk in there, maybe play 20 or 25 snaps a game and have a chance to go to the Super Bowl
4: again. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, the the statement that came out for him was he may not he didn't say for sure he was going to retire if baltimore didn't claim him but he said he might not and i think that was basically uh buyer beware for teams that were just going to throw him on to you know teams that are scrapping to try to make the playoffs mm-hmm. and it didn't scare the four teams that were in destined they're in the playoffs they knew seahawks saints 49ers and chiefs were like we're going and we got shots so we're going to take a shot at him and see what happens yeah as luck would have it we were top of that waiver queue yeah and it was a close bunch everybody's like 10 or 11 wins it wasn't like uh, he was going to go to any bad teams
3: I think it did its job like he wanted to go home right so if he puts that out there maybe that'll scare off the playoff teams too right but at the end of the day they didn't put in a claim because they didn't have to if it got to them they were just going to sign him anyway right so really it's it's all or nothing and I I don't Looking back on it now, I don't know that I believe he was ever going to be like, no, I'm just going to retire.
4: You know, if a playoff team takes me, I got to give it a shot. Yeah, I don't think he was. I don't think he wanted to retire. First of all, I think he wanted to see what was out there. uh, Strong contenders wise and any of the rumors that were going around that he's not going to show, et cetera, et cetera. I think I put to rest today when I looked at the cheese wire site and he's already got a number. He's number 94. They are notoriously <laughs> slow at putting players, Jersey numbers on that site. If there's a number on there, there's been a phone call. It's, it's been arranged yeah. it, as they used to say <laughs> in the league, it is decided. Right. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings, man. Cause it's just like the earlier, in the season, the times when you get to, when we signed Frank Clark and it's like, well, there's, you know, you're going to move, Chris Jones around and every once in a while, they're going to be on the same side together. Well, now it's like, well, you're next to Terrell Suggs or you're next to Frank Clark. Good luck with that. Right. O lines beware.
3: Well, think, think about this. You're going to have a lineup where you can leave Chris Jones in a down, you know, shaded one kind of position uh-huh. and stand up Frank and Passanio and
4: Suggs. Yeah.
3: And whoever else they want to send, I'll
4: send Reggie too. I'd send five in that group. I think you stretch their arms out, they could hug Kansas and Missouri at the same time. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that all comes together. We've got a lot of depth. Looking at our, our, we might get Xavier Williams back, but the big unsung hero right now for me, and I know you spoke on it earlier, is Mike Pinnell. Yeah. Without Mike in that Titans game, that was the difference in my mind. If Mike plays that football game, they, a, they don't go off for 225 yards total as a team. And I don't think Henry has anywhere near as crazy of a game as he had. I'm with you. And it took every yard he got to squeak it out on a whole bunch of flukes at the end of that football game. That dude came in there. He's 30 pounds heavier than Xavier. Xavier's a big cat. Yep. Mike's big. Mike's got size on him, and he's just a run-plugging machine. Yeah. one he's more aggressive, too, that's the
3: thing. He uses his leverage and his size, mm-hmm. I think, a little bit to better advantage than Xavier does. Um, I think yeah. Xavier's a little bit more passive in that he's played – Two-way before. Right. So he's kind of waiting for the block sometimes. When he gets himself going, I think he's okay. I just feel like Pinnell's more aggressive and and stronger to the gap and really attacking the shoulders.
4: Yeah. 330 and change versus 309. There is a little difference there. And I think that he's rubbing off on Naughty a little bit because Naughty has those traits uh uh-huh. that Pinnell has and I think just having him in there with him it's like oh we could do that too we could do it like this that's cool <laughs> that's a neat trick not that Naughty was timid before right or or easy to move before I think he's been even more explosive that play where he threw the lineman out of the way and was about to eat Brady's breakfast and Brady just dribbles the ball on the crowd <laughs> in front of him to avoid getting crushed that's
3: one of my highlights of this year i'm going to use that all off season i'm pretty sure oh man but
4: I'll, I'll tell you this too though the two
3: of them together is a nice thing to see and i like what saunders is doing as well and when you start to think about how can they combat who they're going to see in the playoffs whether it's those titans maybe they get there mm-hmm. definitely the ravens have to be on the, the radar right sure so i'm looking at it going why wouldn't you run a bear front and cover up the guard center guard with all three of those guys some oh, of the time?
4: man. Well, and especially the thing that got our goat last year was in short yardage. This is not the Chiefs of last year in short yardage. There's no guarantees yeah. you're getting fourth and inches. <laughs> Never mind fourth and two yards, and you just bust up the middle for an eight-yard touchdown run. Yeah. This, this team's not letting that happen. I don't see that happening. We had another great defensive performance, won 23-3, Allowed Denver to run for 52 total rushing yards. We held them at 71 the first time. I didn't think we were going to improve that. I thought maybe they'd get a few more yards because <laughs> Drew Locke had brought out some more offensive sure worries and concerns. Nope, no, the run D is legit. The run D is for real. Come around. This is a real thing that's happening. Averaging 11 and a quarter points allowed per game. Yeah, averaging 90 rush yards per game over the last four matches. And people are still talking about, well, the Achilles heel of that Chiefs team is that run defense. Keep thinking that. Keep thinking that. I love they were talking to Patrick (laughs) on uh, national media and they were asking him, how do you feel about people? It sounds like they're kind of sleeping on the Chiefs. Do you kind of like that? He goes, you know what? I kind of do. Because last year they were all about us and, you know, we were getting everybody's best game. And this year it feels like they're not expected to do much. They're expected to be a, a hothouse tomato in, in the playoffs and just be maybe one and done or maybe win one game. And Oh, but not against the Ravens. I love how the Ravens have succeeded the Chargers in that vaunted position of right. the team that's going to get Casey's number but never gets their number. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing uh, right. possibly round three because I think it's going to happen. It looks like it's meant to meant to go that way. I agree with you. Do you feel like the Steelers or the Titans are going to lock up that last wild card spot? Who do you think is going to get it?
3: Man, I, I'm leaning towards the Titans I'm really impressed with what Tannehill's been doing I'm not so, I mean mm-hmm. Old Duck is is fun, but I, I just don't, I don't know when a push comes to shove I kind of feel like the Titans are going to make a push Yeah, I could be wrong, but um, They're definitely one that I'm more scared of in the playoffs I'll tell you that
4: Yeah, I mean if it came down to If we had to play the Titans And then the Patriots And then the Ravens Going into the Super Bowl mm-hmm. how, how juiced would Cheese Kingdom be knocking off all of those little ghosts of the past just right. they're all like lined up in a row right there going oh you can't play that oh you beat them oh you can't play this team's gonna oh you beat them oh this team's got your well yeah you didn't even beat them two times in a row you get you beat them again okay <laughs> there's that part of me it's like i do somewhat subscribe to the be careful what you wish for thing and sometimes people go well you want this to happen so you play this let fate figure that out Put the right teams in front of us so that we can get to the Super Bowl and have a win and get that ring and get that monkey off of Chiefs Kingdom's 50-year-old back right now. Well, even the Super Bowl is an interesting matchup because, in my opinion, you're looking
3: at Mm -hmm. either having to fight off Drew Brees Mm -hmm. and Michael Thomas, which is scary for this particular secondary, who's been playing well. Sure, But there is no... If you're going to ask me who's the best wide receiver in the league, it's not Tyreek. I'm sorry, it's it's Thomas. Yeah, I'll put Tyreek yeah, second. Michael Thomas is something else. But the other option is maybe you could see D Ford with the Niners. You could. You very well could. Although
4: haven't watched him a lot this year. Maybe he'll line up on sides. Wait, right. <laughs> he probably would against us. That's the problem. <laughs> he would look down and just go. I'm just going to wherever my hand is. Move it back six inches, just as a rule. <laughs> D, why are you like a yard and a half off? <laughs> shush. Just shush. It's like just making just sure, making sure, Coach gives <laughs> me a running start. Okay, I know what I'm doing. <sighs> they have tapered off a bit. The 49ers' defense has tapered off a bit. I'm not saying that the Falcons are trash, but the Falcons, you know, they moved on them pretty easily. That was their Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, but their Super Bowl was also the Saints, and they beat them too. Yeah, division rivals, though. So there's that. Yeah, they've lost a lot of guys. They've had a lot of injuries. The big one being Quan Alexander, who was playing all world. Before he got injured. Yeah. They lost their center. Mitch Richburg's out for the season. Like, they're starting to lose some people at the wrong time, which usually is our cross to bear. (laughs) And this year seems to be, no, we're actually getting people back at the right time. And how fortuitous that, you know, Suggs fell into our lap right in that same weekend we lose. It's like, well, if they go after Suggs, because I was one of the people that subscribed to the fact that we should sign him anyway before we went into last week's game. Mm Mm-hmm. Get him in here, veteran presence, rotate him in there, 15 snaps a game. Yeah, These guys all taking turns. And then Alex goes down, it's like, okay, 25 snaps a game. Right, and now it's a have to. But just get him in there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just definitely a guy you need to get replaced because I think there was a window of a game where we had lost Ogba and didn't have AO, and it showed. Yeah. It showed we didn't have that little extra push on the edge, and then when AO came back, it was like, oh. We're all right. We're okay. And nothing against Tano. He's been making steady progress, and I like what he's
3: doing. Yeah. Um, But he's not just not the same thing outside. Honestly, I think he's played just as well at tackle as he has at end this year. And that's why I feel like Mm -hmm. if they do get in that situation where they're looking for big pass rush, he's a guy that's shown penetration consistently through the season.
4: So I'm fine with him lining up inside of the tackle. Do you think some of that lining up inside has has – Translated over and leaked into his special teams Play I I do because he's Two weeks in a row he's cut through that line like a Hot knife through butter
3: and that's the thing his Levers are so long that arm length Helps him so much yeah he's been in the backfield He's had tackles for loss like you can See how it all translates Mm -hmm. and for A guy that played wide nine his whole college Career to be able to be comfortable Inside the phone booth a little bit more is kind of remarkable to see the progression and uh, I'll attribute that to daily pretty much 100% yeah but it just Gives you another weapon it's great
4: well, it's going to be nice too, is to have a guy like Suggs in there who's a little more of the Derek Thomas school of get the ball out mm-hmm. when you get in the backfield. A lot of guys, for some reason, it just doesn't automatically click in their head. And losing Oakford and Ogba as hard as that was and is, and it's going to be a difficult thing to overcome, they had two forced fumbles between them. Yeah. And Suggs has four himself. Yeah. He's twice as many by himself <laughs> and probably has played like a third of the snaps. So it's going to be interesting to see having a vet like that come in and, and show a few, hey, try this little move right here, right. or this will set you up so your hand is in position. Remember, you can finish. Yeah, you can finish, and if you <laughs> do this after your little dip, if you bring your arm up a certain way, then that's going to stride you into the quarterback in position to have that arm ready, not have to bring it up and waste another half a second. He's got another chance to get the ball out of it. Right. I'm interested to see how, that, how any of that rubs off on the, the younger guys that are still coming along. Well, and I'll tell you this,
3: to that same note, not necessarily the younger guys, too. Frank Clark's a good pass rusher in his own Mm -hmm. right. Suggs is a bit of a different level. And so when you have that kind of talent base already for a guy like Frank, there's little tiny details that are even more minute than that that might
4: be able to help Frank in his career as well. Just fine-tune his game because he's a bit of like a massive talent shotgun blast. Right. And if Suggs can go... Just refine this thing into like a little laser point and see how much better you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Bring your game to another level because the closest thing to a mentor on that Seahawks team would have been Michael Bennett. And they're different cats. Yeah. They're, they're very different body types and it's hard to like try to yeah. t- teach a guy that's not made like you. How to play like you? It's you know. Yeah,
3: you can't emulate exactly
4: what he does. It's more easier to do apples to apples. Yeah, you know. So it'll be that's that's. I didn't even think about that. That's just got me giddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about what Frank might learn from Terrell because he's got so much time on him. And the other guy too that I really like is Delone Harris. Mm-hmm. He's got four tackles in two games, but he's hurrying the quarterback a lot. Yeah, he's back there a bunch. I've seen I've seen a number of. I haven't tracked it. But I just remember a number of times seeing number 52 back there and the quarterback like bailing or getting rid of the ball because 52 is in his business. And that's a young kid that's got a lot to learn, a long way to go, and now is going to be surrounded by guys at his position that have so much knowledge to give him. Give me your breakdown of the game. What, was your, what were your feelings on the game? I was really happy with it. And I'm trying to look up DeMone's uh, numbers as well
3: because I don't think I see an official pressure. You're right. But he is back there a lot. Not, I agree with you. I've liked what I've seen from him just in terms of get off and mm-hmm. providing a little bit more of a speed rush. Yeah. It's something that they haven't had, even with Oak Four, who I think is probably the speediest of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I was really happy with this particular game because. It's it's kind of a crappy day out, you know, and they they put up the offense really impressed me because not only did Mahomes sling it, but guys were in the right places. they were making cuts even even when they lost their footing. They were still in the right spot Mm -hmm. and the defense didn't back off because playing backwards in particular in the snow is tough, whether you're an offensive lineman or a D back, right? It's tough to move backwards and transition when your footing's that slippery, but they did it and they, they played off a little bit more than um, you might have normally seen. But you saw what the safeties did. I mean, there could have been four interceptions there. Breland almost had one as well. Oh, easily. Oh, my gosh. You know, that combined with uh, Harris providing a little bit more speed, Freight putting in some good snaps, being sick and all that, and you know, Chris Jones being Chris Jones. Um, I I thought this was a really good test for what is a roster that has a lot of guys from Georgia, a lot of guys from Texas, you know, a lot of southern guys, Mm -hmm. you know, to play in that kind of condition, knowing that you're looking later in January, either going to Foxborough or going to Baltimore or going somewhere else that's cold. I thought it was a really good warm up for them to see how they could put it all together. Yeah. Um, and, And I was interested how
4: many guys didn't wear sleeves. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's always that amazes my wife. Like, aren't they cold? I'm like, that's, that's some guys are crazy like that. They just don't dig the that's a Tough guy thing is, too. Well, you know, you know maybe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, well, I can be comfortable and tough. It's okay. Let me just wear a long sleeve, you know, tight shirt, a compression shirt, but let's cover those arms up so I'm not gonna frostbitten my <laughs> hands by the time. And I also had to catch the football, so that made it a little more tricky. But uh, yeah. you're mentioning the defensive side in the snow. What I loved as well was just the talk all you know the last couple of weeks well you know if it ends up they're probably gonna have to go through baltimore baltimore's not gonna lose two games and that thoroughbred offense isn't gonna travel well in the snow oh really how did that offense look in the snow this week those right. snowflakes were the size of like frogs <laughs> like tree toads <laughs> and it was just cutting through patrick's attitude after the game too was like what well, was my you know only my second game ever playing in any kind of weather and it was way more snow than the colts game last year and he goes, I realize the ball's stickier. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of zip it in there, and I can kind of – this is coming off of a bruised hand <laughs> that's only getting better. I'm like, dude, the pigeons are going to get let loose. It's <sighs> like yeah. these people that are expecting us to be a one and done. And, you know, what's their answer for Baltimore? Well, the answer for Baltimore is our run defense is way better than it was when we played them the first time, and we still beat them last time. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how that goes. And when the pressure starts coming down – I think Mr. Suggs might have a little bit of knowledge about how to play against that Ravens offensive line. A couple of those guys I'm yep. sure he's played against in practice, oh, about a thousand times. <laughs> right. So it should, be, it should be interesting to see what he uses against them and, well, and shares with the team. I'll tell you this,
3: too. In the first meeting, it was Ingram they started the second mm-hmm. half and oh, yeah. ran all over him right well the yep. chiefs interior defense is better now and that's fine if lamar's going to beat you cuz he's that kind of athlete there's not a whole mm-hmm. lot you can do you know you're going to have to play deeper you have to be aware of it keep your head on a swivel, unlike Tavares Ward when Brady was scrambling. Right. You, know, you have to be able to do that, but it's, it's the up the middle, grind it out for four yards and eat the clock. that mm-hmm. I think this team is more prepared for, and I would say that the Chiefs' defense against the interior run has improved just as much as the Baltimore offense has.
4: Hugely, and I, I feel like some observations made by other pundits were that the Chiefs in that first matchup, it looked like they pulled out all the stops to stop Lamar. And we'll, we'll take our chances with the interior run game and that stuff. And rendi wasn't that good back then. Mm-hmm. Now guys are fitting up properly. Guys know where they belong. Guys are reading and, and acting without thinking. Just they're playing instinctive, fast football. Commentators looking at our team and saying, oh, this guy's really fast. Those guys. They didn't get any faster. Right. They're just not thinking about it anymore. <laughs> they just know what they're doing now. Yeah. And the difference between knowing what you're doing and having to think for a second, that moment of hesitation is huge in football, it's a game of inches, it's also a game of hundreds of seconds. Yeah, which makes the difference between a guy breaking away. Ask anyone who's tried to cover Tyreek and judge the wrong move and <laughs> let him get 60 on him. Ask Chris Harris, you know, <laughs> Chris. Oh, poor Chris, poor Chris. Which I'd love to see in a Chiefs uniform next year, by the way, Chris, if you're listening. Oh, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing. It would not be a bad thing. Brock Chuck. I just like the way our offense is coming along. And we were talking about Mark Ingram on the NFL Network today about the best uh, free agent pickups in the offseason. And one of the guys made a pitch for Mark Ingram. And I was just like thinking about how I felt at the beginning of the season. I'm like, he's going to cost way too much. But imagine Ingram in this offense. (laughs) Right. But that said, going to the running game, I'm so over it. With people bringing up Kareem Hunt, no offense to Cream. Kareem. Kareem's a good running back. I wish him well. I hope things go well. People got to stop talking about that like that's our Achilles heel. The run game or lack of run game or having a run game, Yeah, that didn't cost us the game last year. A guy offsides on one play on defense and a Absolutely. defense that couldn't stop anybody is what cost us that game. <laughs> when Kareem Hunt was with us last year, I think people are convoluting his rookie season. With the second season, because mm-hmm. he dropped almost half a yard per carry, yep. In the in the second season, a lot of that wasn't due to part in due to part two because of our offensive line couldn't stay healthy. Much like this year, our offensive line hasn't been staying healthy. They're getting healthy now, which is good timing. Our center situation is not amazing. I think it could be better if Wiz was in there. That's mm-hmm. not for me to say. The coaches must know what they're doing. Oh sure it if is. They keep that, say it. It's you know. for me to say too. Put Wiz in. <laughs> if we, it just, they just, I mean you know what? Spencer Ware looks like he's lost some of his thump and then they put Wisniewski in there in three plays in a row. It's like five yards, four yards, four yards, game over. Right. If we can do that to playoff teams, if we can get up on them, get the ball back and make them use their timeouts and then just finish it. But You know we're coming. We're going right <laughs> up the middle and there's nothing you can do about it for three plays because that's how many games have we lost in the last few years where there's under two minutes left and we can't get a first down? Right, that's the problem. The first one that jumps to my brain is the Charger game last year, which they still should have lost because they cheated at the end. But regardless, if we can get a first down on that last drive, they don't get the ball back to get that drive going and get those pass interference calls and get that two-point conversion where Orlando Skander lost his brain. (laughs) I don't know what happened there. Yeah,
3: and that's continued all this season as well. I'll tell you this. I, I had long conversations with a lot of people over on RGR when I went through the the live show about Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. as well, because I agree with you. A ton of people still want him back and act like he's the reason that this run game doesn't churn. And I kept coming back and trying to explain it's, in my opinion, it's not Kareem Hunt at all. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt is, he is a loss in the pass game. His vertical game as a running back is much better than anything they have right now, including LeSean. Yeah. But when you look at his running, especially inside the tackles, it's the loss of Mitch Morse that's made the difference in terms of the run game, not the loss of Kareem Hunt. And reader is reader. We're not going to get rid of him until things happen. But beyond that, when you look at just this season, you want to talk to anybody about who's doing what Kareem Hunt so far is 4.38 yards carry. LaShawn is Mm 4.62 so if you really want to talk about who's getting it done in terms of yards per carry LaShawn's actually getting better yardage not by a lot
4: but by a little bit It's just that he has to do it outside he can't do it inside with that line That's true and last year I went at length and I'm not going to go into it here On this podcast listeners if you want to go back and listen to some of last year's podcast near the end of the season People got to remember Kareem Hunt was here till week 11 That means there was five games left and in those five games, with Damian Williams as our starter, after Kareem Hunt had been averaging 4.6 yards a carry, Damian came in and was getting 5.1. Our run game got better. Yep. More yards per carry, more yards per game. And that's not counting the playoffs, where we had to go in the playoffs and do that, and he had 125 yards rushing against the Colts and made him look silly. His cuts in the snow, I mean, oh, well, it was ridiculous. I just I wish <laughs> that at the uh, end of regulation that we would have dumped that ball off down low to him on the on the on the sideline yeah. he had about a seven yard gap between him and the safety of the Patriots and I think he could have either juked him or trucked him and got in the house. And if he couldn't get it then get out of bounds. Yeah. And kick a shorter field goal and go to you know. Well but uh, and, I I just think we get Damian Williams back, I think that's gonna go a long way to, to help in our run game, have just one more weapon. And like I said, Spencer Ware, when Wiz is in there, he's got he's still got that thump ability. It's all about having a good center. You're like you're totally right.
3: I'll tell you this too. Those that are unimpressed about Damien's return to think about this, that Colts game in particular, what was it? 129 yards on the ground. Something like that. Yeah. He did it against Darius Leonard, who was the best linebacker yep. in football against the run last year. So that's significant. There's something I will admit. I don't know how committed Damien is to the rest of the season. I feel like injuries linger on him and I'm not sure they're physical, but I will say this. He came to play in the playoffs. Sure did. And he's somebody that can help you. And what Ware can do in the pass game in terms of protection, which is still I think easily his best aspect, I think Williams can do a little bit of everything, and give you another punch. Now with Thompson running inside, it's it is a committee, which I know is like a dirty word out yeah. here in football right mm-hmm. now,
4: but it works, and I think it will work for this team. Well, and where was his buddy? Where was his teammate? They were, Ware got injured down the stretch, but they were they were there, mano and mano on the sideline, you know, keeping each other going and keeping each other pumped, and they took over that running game and kept it rolling. And now where's back and i think that might help him that might be another yeah. voice in the locker that a friend that he missed and i love the fact that you know where's first tweet was unfinished business and of course he <laughs> took care of business against the patriots um but that was maybe his spirit animal which segues me perfectly to my question i wanted to ask you is zach streif your spirit animal
3: <laughs> he very well could be i don't know man the
4: reason I-, I asked that and i can let you go on and tell people about your other channels and stuff is because uh he was on uh coward today and I didn't realize this, but not only is he a former NFL lineman, he is the broadcast voice of his team, the Saints. Mm-hmm. So you go from being a pro lineman to the broadcast voice for Saints, and he owns a brewery, right? So I'm like, check all the boxes <laughs> for Ryan Tracy.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could be he could be my alter ego. Uh, I've never actually met the man, but I know several people who have, and they say that uh, we have some similar taste in beer as well. So I always like that. I mean, it's a great thing. Um, in just to do the shameless plug, RGR football is one thing. We talk all kinds of Chiefs there, and I know you're on the channel a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I also do podcasts uh, about the NFL in general, particularly in the offseason and the playoffs when the Chiefs haven't been in, in the past. But I also do a beer podcast, and that's always fun. Um, and now I'm going to have to reach out to Streep and see if he'll show up. Oh, yeah, you, de-
4: you definitely got to do that. You got <laughs> to talk about analytics, uh, O-line play, and hops and barley right. there we go there we go in that order <laughs> well it's been a great <laughs> chat with you man i'm looking forward to uh talking again soon hopefully either next week or after with the bears game which will be a nice uh coaching tree matchup between andy Reid and uh and matt Nagy. i'm interested to see how the and also the you know the quarterbacks that were drafted in the same draft yeah um i'm wondering how chicago fans feel about that one right now <laughs> i just want to say thank you once again to ryan for coming on today it's a pleasure yeah, it's great to talk to you.
3: Uh, we get into topics that I don't generally cover. I always like that.
4: Yeah. We got to you got to talk to uh your buddy Chris over there about stop with the don't worry about Kareem Hunt. Don't worry about <laughs> we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball. That's the biggest thing. The biggest thing is there's got to be a commitment to run. You and I have talked about this before. Yep. I don't necessarily think it is even the horses in the race. I think it's the willingness to run the race. Well, especially with Andy. I think it's the willingness to get those guys rolling.
3: Yeah, I mean, any back that you bring in, whether it's offseason or whoever you're looking for, you got to remember, it's Andy calling the plays. Yeah. And it's not going to be what I want it to be. We're
4: not going to line up in an offset eye and crush people. It's just going to be what it is. That's right. And we'll see what it is this week, folks. Up next, I'm going to be talking to former Chiefs wide receiver, a few touchdowns for Mr. Joe Montana. Coming up next is number 88, J.J. Burden. So without any further ado, I want to introduce to you Chief fans out there. You know this man well. He was drafted by the Cleveland Browns in the eighth round of the 1988 draft and is now the proud father of eight children, number 88 for the Kansas City Chiefs. J.J. Burden, welcome to the show, J.J. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. We're We're uh, we're looking good. We're 10-4. and four. We're playoff bound. We're uh, four-time back-to-back-to-back-to-back AFC West champions in Kansas City. And I think uh, the Chiefs have a real shot this year at the whole thing. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I feel the same way. I really do. I think that... Um, you know, when we had that moment during the mid where we kind of lost a couple games, I, I didn't panic because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of guys were hurt. Um, key players were hurt. But I knew that this team would kind of come around and really start um, turning it up a notch and finishing strong because they like you said, they clearly have a legitimate shot to get to the Super Bowl. And I think last year teaches an important lesson because they got so close and, and I certainly think they're hungry and they want to get over the hump this year
4: I mean one play away right one snap yeah exactly if that interception's allowed that's, that's game over lights out Tom Brady and we're off to the Super Bowl where I'm sure we would have outscored the Rams the second time around
1: yeah I agree
4: after that Chicago game they were not the same team yeah I'm looking forward to seeing how things pan out down the stretch here I feel really good about our chances as well a lot of people seem concerned about the run game and they keep bringing up Cream Hunt and Cream uh, Hunt was gone after week 11 last year and when he left uh Ware and Williams ran that rock just as just as well if not better we had a better uh, yards per carry and a better yards per game rushing after Cream Hunt was gone and maybe that's because teams were able to isolate on him on defense and they weren't sure what was happening with Ware and Williams in the game and everything else of course everybody else lifted their game and our our offense was incredible last year they've had a few Hiccups this year, of course, he had you a know, dislocated kneecap, and he only misses two games for Patrick Mahomes. That was incredible. Our offensive line has been just a rotating cycle of guys coming in and out. I was at the Tennessee game where it looked like we might have to put a tight end in there at one point, and then Schwartz muscled up and came back in off of being knocked out for a little while, which is pretty impressive. Over the years, you were with some of those Chief teams early on, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the run game. I, I'm not a person who thinks you don't need it. That said, though, we've had years. We had Priest Holmes, we had Larry Johnson, we had Jamal Charles, and we never quite had the right QB in place or the right all-round offense in place and just couldn't get over those humps. We had good defenses over the years. Finally now have a marquee quarterback, and I think that's the big thing that was missing. No disrespect to Trent Green. I thought he did a great job. We got Joe when you were there, but that was there at the tail end of his career. And those misses with Joe were near misses. I mean, there was—I still remember Marcus Allen landing on the sideline and the ball, and then putting the ball down, and against the Miami Dolphins, and they picked it up. I think it was Brian Cox picked it up and ran it back. And Marcus Allen's like, "I'm sitting on the sideline. I'm out <laughs> of bounds." There was no instant replay back then. But yeah, the last time we had a real marquee quarterback like of that level was was Joe, and you were there. How was it? What was it like in the huddle with Joe Montana?
1: It was it was pretty exciting. I mean, to be able to play with one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play, and to play with someone that I used to watch when I was in the eighth grade. You know, I'm in the eighth uh-huh. grade yeah. watching Joe. You know, win Super Bowls in San Francisco. So it was a uh, it was very surreal. You know, when he joined our team, yeah. I was kind of like, man, that's Joe Montana. Is he really on our team? It just it took me a while right. to get over that, but but I quickly learned why Joe was so great. You know, they say success leaves clues. And I watched him and just the way he carried himself as a professional, how he prepared, mm. how he executed, how he led. I mean, there was no mystery as to why he's one of the greatest to play the game. And so I, it was, it was definitely a privilege. And like you said, I agree. The chiefs haven't really, and Joe was really good. I mean, that first year he took us to the SC championship game, mm. but you know, Joe was at the end of his career and you got right. Patrick Mahomes, who has this, who's the same caliber from an athletic standpoint with tremendous amount of potential. And we have them at the beginning. And, and if you notice yeah. in the NFL, all the great teams, the teams that have had successful year after year after year, they all had marquee quarterbacks. And so yep. it makes you excited because a quarterback like, Patrick Mahomes can always make the offense look better. He can make every player play better, or play at a higher level.
4: A marquee quarterback, and he's attached to a, an offensive-minded guru at head coach. That you know Patrick's career might outlive Andy's now at this point because Andy's getting a little older. But I think Andy's going to stick around for a minute just to have the chance to to have that run with Patrick for a while. Yeah. How many more years do you think uh, Andy's going to stick it out?
1: Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I think he's uh, – I think he'll be on it for at least three, four, five years. I don't. When you get, you know, a team like this that you have handpicked and you have kind of molded for years yeah. to your specifications and now you're bringing in the weapons and, you know, because what gets me excited about the Chiefs, a couple things besides Patrick is the defense is starting to step up. Now the defense right. is – Playing better, and the offensive weapons—you know, with Hill and you know Kelsey and, and Watkins, and you know the rookie—I think McColl. How do you say his name? Mark the, the rookie, the receiver.
4: McColl Hardman. Yeah, Hardman. Hardman.
1: And and we don't only have a marquee back, and I'm not worried about the backs because they'll rotate those. But we'll get that marquee yep. back, I think, next year. But I believe that they have everybody in place that they they can go all the way.
4: Yeah, and our defense has been much maligned by the the national punditry. I like to call them It's like I don't are you guys watching the games because I even not had somebody say um, On twitter when uh, they were reporting about the sugs signing or the claiming sugs Oh, he's not gonna report to that. Sorry bleep team That defense is in a shambles and there's too many holes to fix and i'm like you clearly don't watch cheese football because <laughs> I I was of the mind. I was at that tennessee game and I mean, no discredit to Derrick Henry. He's a beast. The dude is a hard guy to tackle. It's hard to want to get in front of that guy. But his big run of the day was that 68-yarder, and he, at least three guys were held on that play, Yeah, gratuitously held, one of which was Treverius Ward, who was grabbed by the shoulder pad and ran in front of the ref for 15 yards down the field, and like the ref just waved it. It was just unbelievable, the stuff that they were letting go. And we had to kind of have a whole bunch of special teams gas at the end of the game, which is very unusual for Dave Toe led led special teams. But watching that game, I think that game was an anomaly, even with that. Let's say you just give them the credit for that 225 as a solid, honest game 225. Since the Broncos game, the first one, all the way to now, they hadn't allowed more than an average of 100 yards a game, And yeah. in, and counting the last four games alone... The last four games, they're averaging giving up 90 yards rushing a game, and they've got seven sacks in the last four games, and they've intercepted the ball seven times a good it had about eight more. Yeah. They were just off their hands. It's incredible, the rise of this defense. And then, you know, in typical Kansas City Chiefs Kingdom fashion, just when it feels like a wheel's going to fall off the cart and lose Alex Okafor, and we've already lost Emmanuel Agba, both guys, Agba had five and a half sacks when he went down in week 10, And then we lose Okafor. He's got five sacks, and he was coming on nicely. We get Terrell Suggs, who's got five and a half sacks and twice as many forced fumbles as them put together. He's got four forced fumbles on the season because he's kind of got that Derek Thomas arm swipe. He's got that mentality of how to time it up so he gets there just in time to knock that ball and not have to have an extra second to swing his arm up. Yeah. I mean, things are kind of falling into place really nicely. And people are like, well, there's no connection to Suggs. Suggs was with Spaggs in, in Baltimore for two years in 13 and 14. Yeah. So Spaggs knows this guy. And he was playing 49. I looked at the numbers, the snap counts, and he was in there for 64% of their defense. Yeah, 37 years old, going out there for 49 snaps. He's coming here. He's going to have to do somewhere between 25 and 35 snaps. Yeah. He's going to be fresh. He's going <laughs> to be fresher than he's been all year. Yeah, that
1: was such a great pickup for the Chiefs. When I saw they claimed him off of waivers, I thought two things. Okay, the Chiefs are making a run. They're making sure they got the the pieces of the puzzle all in place. And two, I know Terrell Suggs can still play. When they said that he wasn't playing that much, I know the politics of the NFL. That kid can uh-huh. still play. And watch how, in, how more motivated he will be as he's going to a potential Super Bowl team who's already playing yeah. at a high level. It's just going to take his performance to another level. So when people were saying that, oh, Terrell Suggs is not going to show up, I was like, yeah, right. He's going to be there.
4: I mean, in your career, imagine, J.J., how would it have felt if you ever went to bed one night and your team's record was 4-9-1 and one, and you wake up the next day and your record's 10-4 and four, <laughs> and you've won your division and you're on your way to the Super Bowl with one of the best <laughs> quarterbacks, arguably the most talented quarterback in the league right now? How would that have felt?
1: Yeah, that's a dream for players because you, you just want to get to the, have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. And I played nine years, the closest I got was that AFC Championship game when I was with the Chiefs. But in eighty-nine, Dan, I was with the Dallas Cowboys and I didn't even play in uh-huh. the game, but we were one in fifteen. So imagine, mm. like you said, one in fifteen. Let's say I get traded or cut and then I get picked up by whoever the top team is. I mean, that's just a player's dream right there.
4: Right. That's, that it's just it's an anomaly. It doesn't typically happen with players of his caliber and his resume. I mean, this is another veteran leader. People used to talk about earlier in the season, fans and other pundits were talking about how exciting it was to think, you know, Chris Jones is going to be in there. And, and sometimes they're going to line him up on the same side as Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. Now, how are you going to block that O-line? Well, now you got Frank Clark on one side and Suggs on the other side. And Chris Jones and all the other guys who have been stepping up and playing great defense. Another huge under the radar get was uh, Mike Pinnell, Mm -hmm. who is a hometown kid. And this guy has just been a run plugging machine. I just really see great things ahead for this team if they stay healthy and just stay focused on the prize. Yeah. They had a huge, apparently, a huge motivational speech from Dick Vermeel. Nice. uh, During Bronco Week and a, they seemed like really fired up. I was really excited about that. Yeah, that's good. Do you ever do you remember ever having a visitor come in and and hype up the team that was like a really motivational mover and shaker that just you maybe a former coach, former player, just person of interest that came in and fired your team up? Do you ever have do you have a memorable story of
1: Um you no, know, I don't. I don't I cannot remember them bringing in an outside Um, individual to motivate us because Marty was already such a good motivator. Marty was very good at saying the right thing at the right time to get us to do what we needed to do on the field. He was very gifted like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, he just, he always had a way. It was always interesting to watch how he knew exactly what to say at the right moment, you know, based on what we were doing, how the game was going, what our mood attitude was. And so, uh, yeah, Marty was Marty was our motivational coach. You
4: know, there's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I love right. that speech, and I mean, he was. It, I felt heartbroken for him because, like his his last best shot at the Super Bowl was that year with the Chargers. Yeah, and there's NFL footage, NFL films footage, of him before the game telling the DBs on the sideline we get near the end of the game just remember we're going to be pressuring them if we get ahead and it's near the end of the game he might give us one tom might throw us a ball if you pick the ball off goes. just get on the ground don't try to get cute get on the ground we'll kneel we'll get out of here let's just get the win and get out of here this is a great team we're playing and and at the end of the game, they intercept the ball, and the DB tries to run around, and he loses it. And the Patriots get it back and kick a field goal and win. That was the most heartbreaking <laughs> when I saw that he had called that shot. Wow. And the guys just didn't remember. I was just, oh, my gosh. I mean, my, my, my favorite NFL film's sideline get like that was the, uh, the Broncos-Chiefs game where it was back and forth and back and forth. And then Elway drives them down after Marcus Allen fumbles, and— Gets a touchdown and the crowd's going nuts. It's in Denver; they're going crazy. He's walking off to the sideline, and you just see the team going nuts and everything. And, and watching the telecast, you don't get this. But then after watching NFL Films version of it, they had one of those cones, those green, greenish translucent cones with a mic in it, pointing yeah. right at John.
3: Yeah,
4: he's looking; he's walking off, pulling his chin strap off, looking back at the scoreboard, looking really concerned. And everybody's jumping around; him, all excited. And he's like, "I think we left too much time." <laughs> sure enough joe just goes out there and just matriculates the ball down the field touchdown toe tap corner of the end zone that that that's an incredible run that that team had that year and i was yeah i was playing my second year of semi pro football then and i would race home and get ready for playoff games or watching the nfl the next day on the sunday and you know i remember those times and i was reviewing some of your highlights again today and i'm like you're just what is your average yards per catch on touchdowns <laughs> because you have so many long ball touchdown <laughs> catches where either you catch it behind everybody or you just run past people. You must have one of the largest I mean you got to be up there with Tyreek with the with the length of your touchdown catches.
1: Yeah, I had a, quite a few. It's you know early in my career I was really more of a deep threat guy and then you know then i yeah. kind of changed not intensely but because i i um, i was reliable dependable i knew all the wide receiver positions they could move me around so um mm-hmm. i um you know i didn't catch as many i think by last year or two but but i always was able to turn maybe a short pass into a long touchdown it's just one of the one of the gifts i was given and that's speed you know run yeah. fast <laughs> so
4: yeah i think you're kind of what uh, Dick Vermeil was always trying to turn uh, Dante Hall into, and I mean, D Hall was amazing as a kick returner, but it never seemed to really pan out. With that, you were like, if we just get him in space, yeah, he was a running back at, at Texas A&M, so changing over to wide receiver was a little different, I'm sure. Yeah, how do you think you you would have uh, fared in today's wide open <laughs> five wide receiver sets and mobile quarterbacks that can rocket the ball down the field? Imagine being with a guy like Deshaun Watson or, or Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, I think I would have done well. I, with, with the offensive schemes now and the emphasis of the passing game with four receivers and empty where they have five receivers, five people on the line, mm-hmm. that was unheard of during my years. And and also, too, Dan, just the simple fact, the rules of the DBs and how DBs yeah. are limited as far yeah. as their contact. Because one of my best assets was my ability to beat man-to-man, bump-and-run, press in-your-face but if they got my hands mm-hmm. on me, I was about a, I weighed 157 pounds. So they could really yeah. take me out. Yeah. And I had some physical yep. battles up the field. So I would have loved to be able to play now where they they were very limited on how much their hands, how how often they could put their hands on you. And just the ability to move people around, you see a lot more shifting and moving and creating mismatches. And and I just kind of salivate sometimes when I see to re- move, and all he's here. He's here. Then they got him here. They got a motion here. And I'm like, Oh man, that yeah. would have been great to have that kind of luxury where you could create those mismatches.
4: That would have been so nice. And knowing the fact that you don't have to worry about a Steve Atwater or a Mark carrier or a Chuck Cecil coming flying out of nowhere and trying to take your head off. Cause that's going to cost their team so much for them to do that. And it's going to cost them a lot in the pocketbook as well back then that was just football
1: great point great point we had to when i was running in routes or crossing routes i had to get a pre-snap read on where the safeties are where's randy lot where's steve atwater where's you know where these big safeties and they they could just tee off on us and we we, we'd get blasted you catch the ball but it was part of the game and because of that yeah You had to play a little different. You had to kind of have your head on a swivel and just be curious to see where (laughs) they are. I was going to say that. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Dan, you know what's crazy is back when I played, we also could cut those safeties. So I was known for going in there and taking their legs out because I didn't want them getting free shots on Krista Koea or Barry Worth. So Ronnie Lott and Steve Atwater, they hated me on the run plays because they knew I was going to take their legs out. So uh, they can't do that anymore. So...
4: Even the crackback blocks, I loved watching Heinz Ward play too. Yeah. Because like uh, when I played semi pro, I was about 235 and I played all the receiver spots. I played fullback and I was a backup QB and a safety on defense. Mm. But as a receiver, that was my main position was receiver spots. I used to crack guys so I mean people are like, Well, you're going up against these dudes. How are you gonna have an advantage? I'm like, you'd be amazed what a guy that's given up sixty or seventy pounds could do to another guy yeah. when that guy doesn't know you're coming. When he doesn't know you're coming, you can put him on his back. And yeah. after a couple of plays like that, I'm sure you had guys, where's 88? Where's 88 oh, looking around for you? Head on You put there a head on a swivel, and one thing a lot of fans don't know, defensive guys really don't like getting hit. They really they don't. They like being the deliverer of the punishment. They don't like taking the punishment. No, they not I, I saw some some pretty whiny <laughs> safeties in my day. Any tape behinds Ward, any Steeler game, and I was not a Steelers fan. But that's what, you know, shows me the merit of a player. When I can watch a team I don't enjoy watching because there's one guy, I just want to see him make a few plays. And I used to see people get up just hands in the air, screaming at the ref, and it's just like what what do you you're like seventy pounds heavier than him, dude. Play football. Yeah. You know?
1: I can remember one game we were playing the Raiders and, uh-huh. and uh and Rob Thomas, myself, Stefan Page and Emil Harry were the receivers and we, we just made it a goal. We're going to cut Ronnie as many times as we can because Ronnie was like one of those, there was, there were safeties who were very, uh, hesitant to going up there to hitting backs. And then there were safeties who would stick their foot in the ground plant and go beeline to blow yep. up the backs. And Ronnie was one of those. So you had to go yep. really quick. So the very first play of the game, Rob Thomas goes and he cuts Ronnie. Ronnie gets so upset. Next play, Rob Thomas cuts him again. And then <laughs> Ronnie Lott grabs his neck. He picks him up by the neck. He picks him up off the ground. Rob's feet are dangling there. I remember it was so funny on film. Yeah. And then Ronnie throws him to the ground. The very next play, then I cut him. And oh he my takes gosh. my helmet, because it was raining at, at, the, um, <laughs> at the stadium. He takes my helmet yeah. and he jams it in the mud. My, my face is halfway submerged in mud and then the next wow. play i cut him again and we took him out of the game because every time there was a running play he was too busy trying to look for us and he yeah. wasn't as effective in that game because we just we were relentless we're just we're going to take him out and we did well
4: that's the thing i mean if people think about that and they, they're like well you know these these defenders like to try to impose their will on on offensive players and they'll hit them a few times and then running backs will good, hesitant to like cut certain ways and i'm like Offense can do that, too. Receivers can really get in the heads of defenders. Running backs like Derrick Henry, Christian Akoy, I mean, run over him a few times. I remember listening to Christian on a broadcast. He was being interviewed, and they talked about that. And he goes, you got to bring that up. Everybody always wants to talk about that Steve Atwater hit. Nobody talks about how many times I put Steve in the ground. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he talks about how many times I ran safeties over yeah. or how many times my boys hit hit other guys and knocked them out of the game. And it's just like it's always about that one play, that one play. And, if you, I mean, I'm a fan of the Chiefs, so I'm obviously a little biased. But I watched the play, and I played football, and physics matters. And Steve's giving up size on Christian, but Steve's coming full tilt, and Christian's kind of letting up for a second. I don't know if he was thinking about cutting, or, but he got in his head for like a half a second. And, yeah, so you take the shot, bigger yeah. or not. Physics doesn't care what you think should happen. Physics is physics. The laws are in place. It's it's going to take place whether you like it or not. Yeah. I wanted to get back to our running backs, too. We did have, like I said, we had Priest Holmes. We had Larry Johnson. We had Jamal Charles. Speaking of Jamal, the NFL just is uh, doing their top 100 players. Did you feel like Jamal maybe got slighted and... And there's another guy I have in mind as well, but I wanted to talk about Jamal first because no disrespect to guys who played in the past, and there's some guys on that list that are phenomenal and they are part of the league's history and the foundation, et cetera. But Gail Sayers, as amazing as Gail was, eighteen inches of daylight—that's all he needs. That was his famous quote. And he's, you know, you watch the stuff. Like I mean, the the game against San Fran and the mud and the rain, and he sticks his foot in the ground and just everybody else is falling down. But Jamal Charles did that today. He did that in this day and age, when everybody trains like crazy and everybody's nutrition is up and everybody's faster and stronger, and and it didn't matter. And unless you're, you know, there's 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 a, is it Leroy Selman? Is that the there's one guy that's got a higher rushing yards per carry than than Jamal? And it's not Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. It's not Barry Sanders. Not it's just. It baffles me that Jamal got left off and people say, well, he missed some years. So did Gale. He played more years. He had more yards per carry. He had more total yards. He had more touchdowns. He had fewer fumbles. And I just I'm just as a Chief fan, I have this little I have a bit of a grudge against the NFL. I just feel like sometimes Chiefs players get overlooked. Last year was Pat Mahomes right up to the final week. There were debates around the league with the pundits and the national media about, well, no, no, maybe Drew should because you know it's like, but the stats aren't there. The numbers aren't there. He's had awful games this year, and Pat Mahomes just set the world on fire. The only quarterback ever to have 50 and 5,000 before was Peyton Manning at like 36 years old. This kid's first year as a starter, it doesn't matter about what he hasn't done yet or what he might or might not do in the future. It's about what's he doing right now, and it was still kind of like, I don't know, I don't know, whereas now – kudos to lamar jackson he's playing an otherworldly type of football at quarterback but his quarterback like passing numbers aren't blowing away what patrick did last year but for the last three weeks all i've heard in the media is he's hands down the mvp there's no question it's a wrap and i'm like why wasn't it like that last year did you ever feel as a chief did you ever feel like you didn't get the national credit that some other teams did Especially when your quarterback, especially when your quarterback was Steve Deberg versus Joe Montana or something like that.
1: I think the, the challenge we had was we hadn't really proved ourselves, and that that's probably the thing that we had going against us because the seven years out, or let's see, I was there five years. We made it to the playoffs every year. We lost in either the first round or second round until we went to the ASC championship game, and I think that's the thing that really held us back from really getting that. That um that credibility we right. deserved and, right. and, and, and had me because look what happened when I, when I went to Atlanta, then they lost in the first round. I think it was to the, the Colts, and then they lost to someone else, you know, so that I think has really been the challenge for the chiefs, but I think the current squad is really starting to change the viewpoint because man, there are a lot of Chiefs fans I mean I, I cannot believe yeah. how many Chiefs fans are now I live in Arizona. And, man, they just love the Chiefs out here. So you think about some of the great teams, like, you know, whether it's the Steelers, the Cowboys, even the Patriots, whether we like them or not, they have a huge fan base. Well, I see the Chiefs fan base is really starting to grow. So once yeah. we get to the Super Bowl and we, we get one of those, I think it's going to take our exposure, our credibility, to a whole nother level.
4: Yeah, I feel like they're really coming into their time, too. I feel like they're coming into their own as as a – a team with, they've got some key veteran players, but they have a lot of young guys that are going to grow together for the next four five, six years. And I think it's sustainable, barring injury, I think it's really sustainable, the success that they're having right now. And they could be one of those next dynasties. And I was a huge fan of Patrick before the draft. A friend turned me on to him after the, the national championship between Alabama and Clemson. And I went and looked at his footage. For like about three minutes, I'd call my buddy back. I'm like, "Great, show me a guy we're never gonna get." Because three months from now, everyone's gonna be <laughs> onto this kid from Texas Tech that no one's heard of, and it's gonna be, you know. And then we traded up, of course, and we got him. And you know, I've been around celebrities as an actor. I've been around big name people, and I, you know, was in the military and paraded for huge leaders in the world and stuff, and never really got starstruck. People are people. I jumped off the couch. For Patrick Mahomes, when we traded up. I was literally saying, "Please say Patrick Mahomes." Please, I just I see that in his game. I see that, yeah. and I had no idea about the maturity off the field and the and the the upbringing. I mean, growing up in a house where your father's a celebrity baseball player, your godfather's an even bigger celebrity baseball player. You're around those guys all the time. It's not too big for him. You know what I mean? The lights aren't too bright. Nothing's yeah. too big. He gets a little amped up <laughs> before big games because he's really excited and he wants to do well but it's not like he gets intimidated. There's no, there's no nerve making him nervous. And that's a huge, I mean, that must've yeah. been one of the hugest things in your huddle. I mean, you walk into the huddle with Joe cool. Like there's no, the most important position on the field is the most chill player in the huddle. That's got to leak into the other guys.
1: Absolutely. And I think as you indicated a little earlier, that Denver game, when we're playing Denver and we've got the ball back, it's a minute and, and a minute and 30 seconds, I think. And I think we're on the twenty or the ten, and and I recall being in similar situations like that before Joe got there, and you had a belief, but you didn't have that, you know, belief on steroids that you just knew you were going to win. Yeah. Well, yeah. when I looked in that Joe's eyes and I thought, "There's a guy who's been there, done that. This is not too big for him." And when Joe came in the yeah. huddle, he said, "He's like, okay, guys, here we go. It is cold out here." Let's go march down the field and get this game. Here's the first two plays we're going to run. And it's like the way he said it and how he exuded confidence and leadership, that was yeah. contagious. And all we could do – I remember talking to Willie. Willie and I were just like, we just got to go do our job
4: because he's going to do his. Exactly. So that, the whole time you were saying that, the, the only thing I was thinking in my head, having been around people like that in the military and in, in football for you know 10 years, and it's just when the people like that are around you, that's what resonates in your head. Just do your job all I got to do is do my job. job. We're in good hands. Everything's going to be fine. You're not worrying about is he going to be okay? Do I need to do a little extra to help? You don't got to do extra anything. Run your route, get open, <laughs> beat your man. If you don't beat your man once the ball's caught, hit somebody. It's just like it's it's basic football 101. Don't overdo anything. Just just get out there and make plays and you guys to your credit you did. And it was incredible, you know, it was a good time to be a Chiefs fan and then uh, you know, we've had some rough years since then, so it's just it's so great to have Patrick now and to see the trajectory that this team is now on. Andy Reid and Alex Smith brought relevance back to, to Kansas City as far as a football club. Yeah. And it was just – I was ecstatic because I remember watching the Baltimore Ravens 49ers Super Bowl and seeing Alex Smith on the sideline and he's trying to help cap and he's just walking up and down. He's like – his face, you could see he wanted to be in there. But he was being a team guy like he's famous for doing and i was just thinking if you don't want him let us have him cuz he's better than anybody we had since Trent Green and he'll get us right and if we get a good coach and then we just got him and Andy and i was like wow things are like you can wait a minute you can ask the universe for things and they happen i was like that's that's incredible okay let's live that way from now on and uh one of my one of my goals as as the podcast guy for the Red Friday roundtables to try to motivate Chiefs fans because I feel like there's a real dichotomy in this 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 group of fans that there's like split almost down the middle that fifty percent believe that anything is possible no matter what's going on. You got a chip in a chair, there's a game on, you got a chance. That's why they play the games. Everybody's a pro well, athlete, I nobody's out there that doesn't belong. Any given Sunday, all those cliches, whatever you want to put in there, but it's the truth. And And then there's the the other other half that just just are waiting for the sky to fall all the time. And it's like the minute something doesn't go perfect, they're like, oh, here we go again. I'm like, just stop doing that. Don't put that energy out there, man. Like, just believe. Just Because this this is the funny thing is, like, I look back, you know, because I've been around for a minute. You know, I'm in my 40s. And, I mean, I remember a time when Boston Red Sox fans and Chicago Cub fans and Patriot fans were so glass half-empty. It's only a matter of time before the wheels fall off. Something's going to go wrong. We're not going to and look at how cocky Patriot fans are now. And deservedly so. They've earned that ride. They've earned that. They had a nice ride. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not happy the way things are going right now and I think they see some of them think that the end is nigh of yeah. this dynasty. And it is because there's just so many great young quarterbacks in the league right now. Have you besides like say 1984, have you seen such a plethora of of really talented young quarterbacks in the league at any given decade
1: probably not I mean not like you said since that one draft with Marino and Elway and all those guys I think it was was, I mean it was that was an incredible draft but no it's the game is really changing too and you're you're seeing Mm -hmm. not just the drop back quarterbacks but you're starting to see the mobile quarterbacks who can actually throw and read defenses and do all that emerge too so um, it's just really neat to see so many good young quarterbacks. It's like the next wave of uh, the stars are here, and it's really exciting because it's making the game more exciting, I believe, and and um, and also to it levels of playing field. You, you, like you said, I think any given Sunday, you you, you don't know who's going to win. There's there's any team can win on Sunday, especially when you have quarterbacks. Who are mobile who can create plays and get out of bad situations and keep the plays alive, and it just mm-hmm. it's really exciting from week to week now.
4: It really is, it's making the game enjoyable to watch. I think there's a few fans out there that would like the officiating to be a little tighter, but I mean, it's we're, they're human beings, yeah. it's tough. I rag on them sometimes myself, and it's I get it, it's a, it's a tough job, and then yeah. things are happening in real time, and they're seeing it in real time. The I, I get most frustrated. I don't get frustrated when they miss a call. I get frustrated when they miss the call. You see the replay and everyone in the world is saying that's the wrong call. I and know. they come back and go, No, that's we're leaving it. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's the, where, where's that going back to New York bit you talked about where sane people in suits drinking coffee and not stressed out are gonna look at it and go, Yeah, no, let's flip that around. It's not happening a lot.
1: Yeah, that that's frustrating. That's the when you have a replay. It's like if we see it and you're like how do you still mess that call up when you can see right there? You know, but like you said, yeah. Even with even with replay, there's there's a human imperfection element, you know. And like Marty always told us, he said, you know, don't allow the refs to take the game away from you. We, we need to outplay. Right the um the errors of the ref, you know, and and if a team has mm-hmm. to rely on a call, a specific call from the ref, then they're obviously not the players aren't doing their job, you know?
4: Yeah. Take take winning out of question. Yeah. Just take just take that out of the question. Just make it a guaranteed thing. And it's a lot easier to do when you have guys like Joe Montana and you have guys like Patrick Mahomes. I feel like Patrick has that confidence strut of Oh, we got a fly? Doesn't matter. Yes. Watching Romo on the broadcast a few weeks ago against the Patriots, he's like, it was second and 25. And the kid just walks into the huddle, like, okay. And the next play, it's a first down. Yeah. It's like, whatever. Second and 25, that's no problem. Yeah. It's like the old joke used to be, you know, third and 21. There's no call for third and 21. Yes, there is. <laughs> it's number 15, is the call. Look at yeah. the call sheet. <laughs> just dial up 15 and he'll make something happen. Let's <laughs> go. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we sum it up?
1: No, just let everybody know where you can connect with me at my website, jjburden.com. I I have a a monthly motivational newsletter. I give out a little motivational piece to inspire people to hit their goals. You can sign up for it. Actually, when they do, it's called the Burden Report, and my free gift to everyone is my top eight takeaways from playing with Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana, so you can learn some of the lessons and see how they can apply them in their life.
4: Did you say the Burden Report?
1: Yeah, I call it the Burden Report. It's my monthly motivational newsletter.
4: Awesome. I'm going to look it up. I want to make sure everybody got it clear. Yeah. Um, It was a pleasure having you on today, man, From going from being that I got in the military the first time I put on pads. I was 22. I'd (laughs) never played the game before, but I loved the game from afar. And then I played semi-pro for 10 years. And watching somebody like yourself jet down the field, I did not have that skill. I was like Mm -hmm. 4'6 was my fastest time ever. But at two thirty five four six is okay. Yeah. And I had a lot of fun playing that game. I had a lot of fun watching you guys play back in the day, and it's a pleasure to have you on here. And I'm hoping uh, we're going to have uh, some fun things to talk about maybe in late in the postseason, if I can call you back, maybe yeah. – I'm not going to put you on the spot, but if we get to that <laughs> ASC championship game and knock it out, I probably want to hitch up on Super Bowl week if you're not too busy. Yeah, for a little ten minute touchback.
1: Well, sounds good, and, and I'll just I'll leave this thought with everybody because I don't know how many people know. You know, I I played nine years at 5, 10, 157 and yeah. I was one of the smallest and lightest. I wasn't supposed to be there, and when you look at the stats, you know, I was looking at some stats, Dan, the other day that. Uh-huh. It's the 100th anniversary of the NFL. And during that time, 20,000 men have played in the NFL. Crazy. And the average career span is two years. And the average weight and height is 6'2", 245. So yeah. I'm a testament to anybody out there who's ever felt like an underdog, who can't achieve a goal, or people doubted them. No, they can achieve whatever they want. They just got to be committed, work hard, and uh, anything is possible.
4: Yep, and if anybody needs a recent version of you to look at, just look at Marquise Brown. Yeah, for the Ravens, Very that kid good. is JJ Burden two point folks. That's true. It's been That's done true. before. It's not new. It's yep. not new. It's been done before. <laughs> the heart's, What's the What's the old phrase? What the mind can conceive and the heart can believe, you can achieve. And, Absolutely. Uh, you sure showed that for for nearly a decade in the pros. Thank you once again for coming on the show, JJ. Thanks, Dan. Keep up the good work. I'm trying. We'll keep it rolling for Chiefs Wire. I just want to say thank you to everybody out there. Thank you to our guests. Uh, We had Ryan Tracy on today, and I just finished talking to JJ Burden. It's been a pleasure uh, being your host this week, guys, going into this game against Chicago. No stones left unturned. Everybody focus. Get in there. It's going to be a coaching tree battle between Andy Reid and his apprentice, Matt Nagy who's got some ups and downs going on in Chicago, but they're dangerous. They've got a defense. They got a kid with a live arm. Anything can happen any given Sunday. Let's put in the work. Let's get this done. Let's get to the playoffs and go all the way. Go Chiefs.
0: For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at The Chief's Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.